Hi, I'm Leo Finelli, and you're listening to Generation Change. This month, we're joined by Jonathan Harris. Jonathan is a college student at Texas State University, Go Bobcats. He currently majors in Education K-6, with hopes of getting his master's in counseling. He is the vice president of the Xi Delta chapter of Omega Psi Phi at Texas State University. I talked with Jonathan about his experiences of racism growing up, his book Colorblind, and his aspirations of becoming a teacher. Let's get right into the interview. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the pod. So you are coming to us from? San Marcos, Texas, Texas State University. So yeah, right now I'm in my uh, junior year over here, majoring in education, K through six. So for our drop the pin segment, where we like to have a little talk with our guests about where they grew up and how it impacted them, I would like to ask you, where did you grow up? So I was born and raised in Long Beach, California. Which is near Los Angeles, correct? What is it like there? It was good. Um, I grew up in a two-parent household. Uh, my mom, she was a district nurse for Compton Unified School District. And she, she was also a labor delivery nurse for uh, Kaiser. And then my dad, he's a probation officer for the Los Angeles Police Department. And I have three older brothers. I'm the youngest out of uh, four boys. My oldest brother, he is a bartender now. My second one, he's a lawyer. He works for the White House in D.C. And my third brother is currently uh, getting his master's at Sonoma State University. Could you tell us a little bit more about that D.C. White House thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know he works for like immigration services and everything. He he went to uh, Hampton University, HBCU in Virginia, and then he got his uh, law degree at UCLA. He was a class president of UCLA Law School when he time he graduated, and then he went to go uh, move to DC where he works for the immigration and everything. So. Wow. And is the brother who is the bartender, is he still in L.A.? Yeah, two of them. Well, he still lives in Long Beach, yeah, so he has two kids. And how do you think that place where you grew up affected you as a person? I mean, definitely humbled me in a lot of ways, you know. I, I didn't really grow up in the really the bad part of Long Beach, even though it's not really like, not every place is 100% safe, so... I know the part I grew up in, you know, it was, it wasn't rough at any point in my life. My parents always kept the roof over my head. They always kept the lights on. But as a person, it definitely made me mature much faster than most. So I'm definitely grateful for my um, origins. And what life lessons have you learned from your parents? I learned a lot of life lessons from my parents. I'll start with my mom. My mom really just told me to really have faith in yourself. Don't let anyone tell you you're less than what you think you are. So, And then my dad, uh, he taught me a lot of life lessons. He kind of, uh, he taught me about the fraternity a lot. 
um, growing up and everything. So I was I was already around the fraternity. So he kind of taught me the core principles about manhood and how school is important, how you got to always see it through in certain situations. And he just uplifted me a lot in a whole lot of ways. So I'm grateful for him. And I believe that fraternity you were referring to just recently had a convention in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I am. Yes. Yeah. And it was an international conference. We voted into a lot of things. I was My dad got his 35th year pin over there. So I was able to go to that uh, conference as his fraternity brother. So that was pretty cool. Hmm. So could you tell us about your incident with the police in Long Beach? Yeah, so I was, that happened in 2009. And I was eight years old at the time. I remember exactly, I still remember vividly and everything. It was actually around the time Michael Jackson passed away. I woke up that morning to a a voice on like a speaker. It was saying, if you're in the house, come outside. So then I woke my dad up and then he was confused also. And then I, I like look out the window from upstairs and I see there's cops down the street. There's, it's a two-way, two-way street. So there's cops on both streets and they're all parked. And then I told my dad the police are outside. So we go outside and then my brothers, I walk outside and I see my brothers I, I think two of my brothers were still in their underwear and then they were handcuffed and then I didn't get handcuffed, but um, they handcuffed my dad and my, my dad kept asking like, what happened? What happened? And then they, they weren't really saying anything and we asked for a warrant and they didn't have a warrant at all. And then they went in our house, they searched our house and they were looking for my uncle who was still in prison at the time. So he was in Chukawala and he was still in jail and they were looking for him. So it was just a mess up of paperwork, but that's really what happened. Did anyone get arrested as a result of this? Oh yeah, no one got arrested. Um, we, We sued the state of California for it and they settled with us, but yeah, no one, none of my family got arrested. They did, they pulled guns out on my brothers and everything. They threatened to tase my brother who was in the shower. They kicked my dog. So it was just a whole bunch of things going on at once. So you mentioned that your uncle was already in prison. Mm-hmm. And what is your relationship with your uncle like? My uncle he taught me a lot of life lessons. You know, I'm grateful for the life lessons he uh, taught me and everything. So our relationship, you know, it. It is what it is right now. Everything's good. But me being in Texas, I don't, I don't have as much time as I used to, to spend time with my family. So, I still keep in contact. His birthday just passed. I wish him a happy birthday. But, and is he still in prison? Oh uh, no, he, he he actually got out that October, that same year in October, he got out. And what happened when he got out? He was. I mean, well, my mom got in contact with him. My mom was at work when all this went down. And he, he, he said he was so sorry that, you know, a result of his actions put us into like fear and everything. So when he got out, he was just happy to see us. We're happy to see him and we're happy to bring him into the um, new world. So. Did this incident 
give you a kind of authority that you felt. Hold on, let me rephrase this. So did you feel like this incident gave you an authority to have a voice on police racism and accountability? Most definitely. I wasn't really, at eight years old, no eight-year-old's really ex exposed to um, these type of things. So it kind of gave me an early output, outlook on how it was going to be, be for me growing up as a black man in America. So after that incident, I kind of would ask my parents, like, so why is this such a big thing? Why were they... Why didn't they do this to us? Why didn't like why did why why are they treating us this type of way? So it definitely uh, confused me for a while. But as I grew up and I saw other things happening, I know the first thing that stuck out to me after that was the whole Trayvon Martin case. How young he was, how close I was to him in age. So it was kind of just like that kind of it started opening up my eyes to a whole different type of world that I wasn't um, used to or even seen at that age. So I kind of seen how the world really was at such a young age, so. So that all led to you telling your story in a graphic novel by the same people who published the graphic novel of our previous guest, Lexi Phillips. Yes, and what, what was her book about? Lexi's book was about getting bullied and then, uh, then you did one with them too, the CSI producers. Yeah. What made you open to telling that story in a book? It was really more so. So I'm, I'm gonna tell you exactly how that all went down. It was when was it? It was 2016. I think, I think I got approached. Yeah, it was 2016 when they approached me. My dad's fraternity brother is really good friends with Mr. Zucker, and they plugged me in. They asked me um, about my story. He kind of invited me into it. And then at first I was kind of skeptical. I didn't really know. I I didn't really like talking about how, what that experience, I, I hadn't talked about it in so long. So it kind of reopened some things that I went through and everything. So it was definitely just a great experience and everything. I met him, him and his whole family. We, we, we went out to eat plenty of times. I still, he actually wrote my letter of recommendation to um, get into the fraternity that I'm in now. So I still keep in contact with him all the time. And that was just a great experience overall. I'm thankful for it every day. So what do you think was the most rewarding part of the process of making that book? Really telling my story and having other people relate to it. You know, so. Just having that is just having people relate to my story and me even uplifting someone in some type of way, you know, it's definitely, you know, a great feeling, something that I wouldn't want to get away. Yeah. What do you think and feel when you hear stories in the news that remind you of your own experiences? Nowadays, it's kind of just, it is what it is. It happens all the time. It's, it's, it kind of became the new normal, in my opinion. So I, I know when the whole George Floyd, George Floyd thing was going on, I went out and I was uh, protesting in California and everything, things got out of hand and everything, but you know, I always try to support any way I can. So then, you know, it's, it's definitely a tiring thing and it's, it became too repetitive in my opinion. So. What do you like to do in your spare time? 
Yeah. So in my spare time now, I being in Texas, you know, it's really hot. But one thing I do, I don't know if you know this, my fraternity, we like to uh, hop a lot. And I do like these little, you know, marches and dance, not dancing, but it's called like hopping. So I like to practice that on my spare time. I do a lot of community service in the in my city with, with my fraternity. So right now I'm really just uh, looking about giving back to the, to the community and giving back to my fraternity and doing things for my fraternity right now. Those are the things I really enjoy right now. So you're at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas. Yes. Where in Texas is that? It's kind of like Central Texas. It's like 15 minutes away from Austin, 20 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes. So kind of been exposed to a whole new demographic of Texas State, which I enjoy. And what are your plans for a career Um, after college? I want to become a teacher. That's something I uh, want to do. I like doing things for kids. You know, I'm a, I like giving back to the kids. I feel like the kids are the most important thing. And like, if we, if we really invest our time into the youth, it won't happen right away, but over time, things will get better if we invest our time into the youth. So then we show them the right things. So then they aren't making the same mistakes we make more so. So, so true. Well, um, thank you so much. No problem. It was so nice talking to you today. Yes, sir. Me too. It was a pleasure being on here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. First of all, I'd like to give some huge kudos to CSI creator Anthony Zweiker for helping young people like Jonathan and last month's guest Lexi Phillips tell true stories about difficult subjects through graphic novels. You can find all of the Zyker Press graphic novels at zykerpress.com. I don't know if any of you listening to this have ever had the experience of someone close to you being in jail, but if you have, then you can relate to Jonathan's story of his uncle. Interestingly, just a couple days before we dropped this episode, my mom started a social work internship. When I heard my mom talk about the people she was working with, people who are in jail right now, I was able to empathize more strongly with Jonathan and his uncle. Jonathan's encounter with the police when he was younger reflects a theme I have noticed in so many of the people I've spoken to on the podcast. They were called to action when it happened to them. And whatever it is that we need to work to prevent, it happens all the time. You can follow Jonathan on Instagram at Jonathan underscore H or at J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N-N underscore H. If you'd like to recommend someone you know who is trying to make a difference to be on the show, or if you are someone trying to make a difference and would like to be on the show, email us at generationchange at leofinelli.com. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at genchangewithlf, that's at Gen Change with LF. Follow and review wherever you get your podcasts and just share this with your friends and others. 
Generation Change with Leo Finelli is hosted by Leo Finelli, executive produced by Julie Finelli, and edited by Nick and Leo Finelli. Our original music was composed and performed by Leo Finelli. Thank you so much for listening.